Welcome back, fourth and long fans. It's your footy correspondent, Coach Donnie Hess, here back with another off-season supporter series chat. You know it's the off-season. We got to keep footy in the know. We got three months of this, so I love finding people to talk with about all the different clubs in the AFL. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I have a very special guest, somebody that I met on Twitter that I think is one of my favorite follows, not only because she is the fit check queen, but she is a huge footy fan, and I love talking with her. So let's get her on, Miss Marnie Cohen. Marnie, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Donnie. It's a pleasure. Awesome. 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 So, I mean, it's a footy podcast, but I always kind of like finding out just a little bit about the person outside of the game of footy. So just a little bit about you as a person outside of the game of footy. Um, so I'm 28. I live in Melbourne, the, the home of AFL, um, arguably. Um, I work in communications and I love a good outfit as you know, by my daily fit checks. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I, I appreciate, I appreciate them uh, so much. So let's get into it. It's a footy podcast. So I got to find out as a footy supporter and fan, what is your favorite thing about the sport of football? I think it's the emotion of it. That's probably my favorite thing. I have so many of my favorite memories are attached to football um, in one way or another, you know, be it when we were sitting in lockdown in 2020 and pretty much watching every game, every weekend, there's like some sort of distraction away from what was going on day to day or, you know, some of my fondest memories spent with my family revolves around football. So I think because it is such a big part of my life, I think it's the emotion attached to it and what just how you know attached you can be to it when ultimately it really is just a game it can mean so much so I think that's probably my favorite thing about it awesome awesome so let, let, let's let's go back into the time frame a little bit let's go back into that memory bank can you remember your earliest footballing memory so it was probably the first game that I went to um with my dad it was in 2000 and one, I want to say, um, we played Brisbane at what was then the Telstra Dome and North got walloped um, as probably the first five or six games I ever went to, North were beaten. Um, but that's sort of the first memory I really have of it, just kind of going, soaking in the atmosphere um, and just kind of, yeah, really experiencing what football was for the first time. Fantastic. So, and you've, you've kind of, you've kind of given it away a little bit for, for those that were not paying attention Who's your club and how did you come to support them? Um, so I'm a North Melbourne supporter. Um, my dad is a very, very, very passionate North Melbourne supporter. My mum's not a football fan, so there wasn't really a choice for me. Um, it was sort of North Melbourne or bust, but um, I wouldn't have it any other way, to be honest. It's such a special thing to share with my dad and my brother as well. The three of us go to pretty much every game together. Um, and so, yeah, it's... Um, it's great. It's definitely, yeah, it can be challenging at times being a North supporter, but I definitely wouldn't have it any other way. Hey, hey, I appreciate that because as, as a person that lives over here in the States and we have very fickle fan bases, we have a lot of people that have, they constantly will change sides. Like they're, they're a player fan more than they are a team fan. So I see it all the time. Like when Tom Brady went from the new England Patriots to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I can't tell you how many people I saw they were rocking the Patriots stuff. But as soon as, as soon as Tom Brady moved, now they were Bucks fans. It was like, 
really really so i i appreciate your 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 support of that in, in fact I'll, I'll go off of that just really really quickly have you ever wavered especially with with some of the down seasons unfortunately have you ever wavered as a north melbourne supporter I've never wavered, um, so to speak. It's obviously 2020 and 2021 was quite difficult because North weren't doing so well and then I wasn't able to go to the games. So that definitely made it challenging. I've never said, I've never been a supporter other than a North supporter. I did live in Perth for 18 months. So I naturally gravitated towards Fremantle and West Coast because we'd go to Fremantle and West Coast games. Um, but otherwise, I can't say that I've ever spat the dummy on north <laughs> i absolutely love it i love it um so we'll, we'll we'll rewind just back a little bit so you said your father's a massive north supporter did he was it really did he really give you the ultimatum like i've heard this i don't know how good these stories are the ultimatum of you're a north supporter or you're leaving the family it wasn't nah not an ultimatum he i just I guess because I would go to the football with him, it was just a natural thing. Like mm -hmm. we're a North Melbourne family. It's just, it's not, it's not that he, if I ever turned around to him and said, hey, I'm going to go for another club, I don't think he would ever, you know, kick me out of the family, so to speak. But I also just never really had that urge to genuinely support another team. I think when you're like six or seven and you're surrounded by Essendon fans at school who, you know, won a premiership in 2000 or, you know, this or that. And there are other, you know, you've got friends who support more successful teams and you obviously there's that natural, oh yeah, I'll just go for so-and-so team now and I'll just change teams. I've never genuinely jumped the fence. I've always been a North girl at heart for sure. That's, that's absolutely fantastic. Love that. So staying strong, absolutely love that. So we'll, we'll, we'll stay, we'll stay with it. Can you remember the first kangaroos item that you ever were given or bought um i was trying to think about this when you asked when you sent me the questions i not really to be honest i i don't um there is a photo of me as a two-year-old holding up the 1996 um wag premiership poster um but that's I don't remember that. I've just got that photo um, in our house somewhere. Um, but so I, I can't, it would have been a scarf or a jumper of some sort or a badge, but I can't remember exactly what the first item was. Yeah. And, and it, everybody's different. I've, I've had, I've had a onesie. <laughs> I, I, I remember, well, I remember there was one, a couple last year was a, there was a Geelong girl that she had a onesie that, that she had as a kid. And she still has it. She plans on using, on giving it to her child when she has one. So there, there's always interesting I love that. ones. That's amazing. There's there's old school scarves I've seen. Uh, a, a friend of mine, Melbourne supporter, who was like in the in the fifties. She got like an old scarf that her father had. So those are those are really cool. So I love the stories about all the different things they possibly could get. So I'm one of those. I, I'm a diehard. I, I I will get up early to watch the Swans games. I know I'm an American, so it, it takes a whole different breed to do that. So describe to me your fandom of the North Melbourne Roos. Are you someone that when they lose, you need to have your space? Are you, are you, can you get over it? Or just, are you one of those you live and die of every day through the Roos? Yeah, I definitely live live and die by the sword, so to speak. Um, I think especially now being back in Melbourne and being able to go to the games, you know, when we do play in Melbourne, um, it 
it adds for me it adds a whole nother level of connection to the to the game I've grown up always going to the football I've never been one like my family my dad I should say is not really someone who's ever just like rather sit at home and watch the game like if we're playing in Melbourne and I'm you know I'm in Melbourne I will go to the game like there's no you know there's no that football always comes first in our family football is the religion is the main religion um so for me yeah it's very much like I get very emotional if we lose I'm on like cloud nine if we win like when we beat Richmond um uh later in the 2022 season like that was literally the best night of my life I genuinely felt like we'd won a premiership it had been so long since my dad my brother and I had gone to a win together um so it was really really special so yeah it's definitely you know I read up about it every day and um, I'm on a North Melbourne podcast so you know, I'm definitely fully immersed in it. Um, we have travelled a little bit as well for the football. So, yeah, it's very, like, we're very, very into it. Um, I'm very emotionally attached to it. I think going through COVID and not going to the games and that coinciding with North having a bit of a downturn in performance, it's probably, I wouldn't say it's detached me so much, but I think I'm able to given where North's at at the moment, I think I'm able just to walk away from a loss and just accept it and kind of move on maybe more than, more than say four or five years ago when we were kind of pushing for the eight and pushing for contention. But I think as we do start to rise back up the ladder, hopefully I'm manifesting it, then I'm sure that emotion will come back into it, um, come back into it like it used to be. I think it's always going to be there. I think it'll always be in me. I just think that, and my love and dedication to the club is no different regardless on how we're playing and how we're doing. I'll always support them and I'll always be very passionate, but I think maybe my own personal emotion and my own reactions maybe will change slightly depending on, you know, where the next few years takes us. And it makes sense. And and it's for everybody. They handle, handle everything differently. Like I, the funniest part about fandom is there's no, there's no perfect way to fan. And I love that about it because you can do it your way, how you want to do it. And I think that's absolutely, that's, that's magnificent there. So, well, I want, I want to get this before, before we start talking about this last season, most memorable moment as a kangaroo supporter so far. The 2014 elimination final. And I think anyone, see, I'm not old enough to remember the 1996 and 99 premierships. So I was two and five. So when, when those happened, um, so I don't remember them so much. Um, so I think that 2014 elimination final is probably the closest, I think, feeling we've ever had to that level of success. The 2015 elimination final was just as good because 2014 came first and I think it was it was you know it was just it was an unbelievable game of football um that's definitely my number one moment of all time without a doubt and it probably will be for you know until we you know reach that level again and hopefully go further next time but we will cross our fingers that that comes much much sooner so so we'll go we'll go to it we'll 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 un- un- unlock the the hurt locker. Unfortunately, here thoughts on last season for the AFL men's because, as a North supporter, I, I remember seeing your, your your tweets after the games, and I felt horrible because you could definitely tell this season was just everything that possibly could have went wrong for North. Unfortunately, did. Yeah, I think sadly it was probably worse than twenty twenty one. At least the first half of it, anyway, until. Um, the club parted ways with David Noble. I think, 
you, you could kind of in 2021, you could kind of see where they were trying to go with things. You could see what they were trying to do. It didn't work most of the time, but you could sort of, it kind of seemed like something was coming together and kind of by the, the second half of the year sort of things were kind of pieced together and it was slowly starting to come together. So when, you know, when you come to a fresh season and you just all sign of that's gone, you're just like, well, what's actually the game plan here? What are we actually trying to do? What are we actually trying to achieve? So then when David Noble left and Patch Adams um, kind of walked through the door, I mean, we obviously had that win against, um, we had that win against Richmond, which was, you know, just, I think the kind of injection that we all, we all probably needed. Um, but I think that for the most part, things improved, but it still kind of seemed like no one, like, the, the intent was there and the effort was there, but the game plan wasn't there and the skills just weren't there. So it kind of, at least we found, we found one element of it, which was, you know, that people wanted to play and we found some really great kids last year as well, which I think we're super thankful for. But I'm just really looking forward to yet another clean start this year. I think it's been really hard because we've had no continuity pretty much since Brad Scott left. It's kind of been three and a half years of mess. It's almost a reflection of what's happened in the world kind of in the last three and a half years. So I'm very much looking forward to a bit of stability um, and a little bit of just a bit of sense, like something that makes sense, something that's simple, something that's not complicated and something that we can actually execute. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely, it, it was hard. It's hard to watch, but I think we're in a good position now to go forward. Yeah. And I remember, I remember saying on my podcast in 2021, North was a team you didn't want to play late in the year because they gave maximum effort. They never were out of a game. Yeah, they may not have won, but they gave a maximum effort. And last year, I don't know what it was, what fell apart when. I'm not going to try to open up any wounds there on that one. Uh, but I just there was something that the previous season had that this that this last season didn't. So it was just very frustrating for me that I thought I saw the progression that it, the at least attempt of competition and this year i don't know what happened after after everything kind of just imploded unfortunately um it just it, it, that spark was never there and i think that was frustrating for me because i wanted i saw some good things the previous season and to not back it up the next year was really really difficult so we'll we'll stay on the we'll stay on this because i remember listening to your latest north talk and i loved how you responded to this and i'd, I'd like my audience to hear this Jason Horn Francis, for some people, is an ire when it comes to North Melbourne. But I loved your response. Could you just what, what were your thoughts on this whole situation and your thoughts now that he's moved on to Port Adelaide and what you kind of what were your thoughts on this whole thing? I think I've there's something I've learned in you know being online for so long and really like sharing my thoughts and opinions on on the football club um, is that if it's something that's, I don't really like making comments on things until after they've happened. I just don't really, I'm not, I'm at a place in my life where I don't feel the need to engage in, you know, silly debate or being attacked for what I think. But mm -hmm. those who know me know that I haven't really been a fan of Horn Francis from the beginning. Um, and it was quite obvious by kind of midway through the year that he would probably leave. My dad and my brother have had, and I have had multiple conversations about this throughout the season. And obviously we've discussed it in depth now. I think that 
it was a it was obviously the right move by the club to move him on. I think he doesn't want to be there and he clearly was creating a toxic environment and a toxic culture, very defiant, clearly has an attitude problem. Um, so I think that North didn't have a choice but to move him on. And I think that now, I think it probably appeared at, at the time of the trade and I was definitely a victim of this at the time of the trade going through while I understood it's obviously something the club had to do for the sake of the other players who were there and for the culture of the club and we're kind of at a we're at a crossroads now where we're actually in a position where the club is literally from the day that we got rid of Boomer Harvey and Drew Petrie and Mm -hmm. Michael Frito and all that happened at the end of 2016 the club has literally been on a downward slope since then we had a little bit of success um in 20. In 2018, we had a relatively good season, but that was probably the, a, a bad thing that happened for the club because we probably just needed to have another shit year so that Brad Scott would go and we could start this a, another rebuild. And it just it turned into an utter mess. It turned out worse than I actually could have predicted. Mm-hmm. So when Clarko came on board and when the club announced that he would, you know, he was coming on board as coach, it actually really felt for the first time since that moment in 2016 when maybe the club's actually going to start turning things around. Anna Marfio left, which was another really good thing for the club. So it only seemed natural that Horn France, you know, probably got rid of Polek as well. So only seemed natural that to get rid of someone who clearly doesn't want to be there. And when he left and it, we got the return of a future, you know, Port's future first round pick and, picked um, two and three for the 2022 draft, it kind of said, oh, that's all we got in return for someone who's supposedly a generational player. But then you look at it now, we're sitting at the end of the draft. North had a really good trade period. They had a really good haul in the draft. And it kind of thinks, you kind of sit here now and think, well, you've got people who are excited to be there. You've got people who want to be there. And you've got people who want to contribute to the club's success. And at the end of the day, no matter how how talented a player is if they're not going to work hard talent's only going to get them so far and if they're not going to work hard then they're never going to really live up to that that talent and that that hype and that expectation that's put on them so I wish Jason all the best I wish Port Adelaide all the best but whether they're going to get the best out of him that's ultimately going to be up to him and and for North I think we took a really big step forward for our culture and for the for what we want the club to be and we want people who want to be there at the end of the day and I'll always stick by the club knowing that it's the right decision for the club um, and I really commend their 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 handling of this situation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely love that. That That's absolutely great and I loved how you responded with that. I thought that was very, 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 very classy, very, very understanding and, and I absolutely think that I think I think you did very very well. I it, right now it may seem it may seem like early days, but I think that with the young kids that you got, in fact, that that's actually a great transition. Um, you talked about it on your podcast, uh, uh, and and just a little bit there is that I think your draft hall and your off season I think has been really really well. How excited are you for Harry Sheasel? And then I'm I'm brain I'm I'm brain fading on on some of your other picks on here. How excited are you to see them in North Melbourne blue and white? Yeah, really excited. So obviously, Sheasel and Wardlaw, they came in at pick two and three, um, in both incredible talents. Um, and I think that, you know, they, they'll they add a whole lot. You know, they've, they've got, they've both got amazing skill sets that, you know, at, they're not one-dimensional players. So I think that there's really potential for both of them to have such a big impact. Um, 
on the club. And then obviously I've watched a lot of um, Logan Tucker over in Perth um, playing for Fremantle. So to be able to bring that, them across uh, as part of the, you know, in the trade period was I think a massive win for North as well. And then obviously the romance around Cooper Harvey, you know, coming to North um, after Boomers, you know, arguably one of the best players that's ever pulled on the jumper um, for us. So I think the whole, the whole thing was just really you know, it kind of capped off what was kind of the 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 beginning, you know, the new beginning for us. And I think that we did an amazing job. And I think that we, I think I'm willing to be patient. I probably haven't always had that patience um, because I've never really, you know, the whole time I've supported North, there's never been, there's never been a period where the club's really struggled. I've always been quite fortunate. We've always been sort of in that six to 10 kind of bracket, give or take a few seasons. One season we finished in the top four, a couple we finished in the bottom four, but otherwise we've always kind of been in that mix. So I think I'm really excited. I can kind of start seeing the pieces of the puzzle kind of coming together. So I'm really excited to to see how we go. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fantastic to see at it. So so we'll, we'll go from that is I'm, I, I hear people say this all the time. What are your expectations for next season? And for me, I hate the word expectations because it, it, it insinuates that you want something or you know something will happen. And the way footy is, the way injuries go, you just never know. I mean, it is always a crapshoot. You never know how things are going to go. I don't think many people went into this season thinking Collingwood would have the season that they did. So your thoughts on next year, I'm not going to say expectations, your thoughts on what you think is possible for North Melbourne next year. I just want things to make sense. Things haven't made sense on field for North for a few years now. And I think I just want things to make sense. I want to know what the game plan is. I want to know what we're trying to achieve. I want to see a bit of fat, fire and passion. I want to see people who, you know, I want to see players who are excited by their potential and what they can do. And I want them to be able to unlock their own potential and really embrace it and, and push the club forward. I think we're going to be in a position probably next year, if not well, this coming season, the 2023 season or the season after, is it probably will start being a bit of competition for spots. I think there's enough good players there now that there should be a bit of pressure and a bit of competition. That's what made Richmond so good in that kind of 2017 to 2020 period is their B and C grade players were playing so well. They were constantly challenging spots. They really made the most of their opportunities when they when they were there. I, I, I think that Clarko will be ruthless and I think that he's not going to just gift games to people and that's what I want. I just want to see a bit of fire. I want to see a bit of passion. And, yeah, I just want things to make sense. In terms of expectation, I know obviously it's a buzzword, but I don't, in terms of ladder position, I don't expect us to finish higher than bottom four but I want to see enough improvement within that side that I can comfortably say, okay, we'll climb the following year. Yeah. You want to see, you, you want to see give com- it some time to all exactly. come together. You, you want to see compete and you want to see progression. And I think, I think those are, those are two things that I think North fans should expect with, with, with what you, with, with, with what you have. So I almost, I almost forgot. I'm going through my questions here. I'm like, I know I missed one that I almost forgot this. Do you have a favorite player of the past? And do you have a favorite player currently on the Ruse list? So my favorite player of all time is Jasper Pittard. Anyone who knows me knows knows that very well. Um, I also was a massive Lindsay Thomas fan um, when Lindsay played uh, played at North. Um, I don't have a player 
currently that I love as much as I loved Jasper and that, you know, um, but I, I do love Todd Goldstein. I do love Ben Cunnington. They're two of my favorite players. I also really like Hugh Greenwood. He's probably a bit Jasper-esque. So that's probably why I do love him. <laughs> do love him so much and I also really like <laughs> um and I also do really like um Callan Coleman Jones and Callan Dawson so there's a few in the mix I mean I you know Todd Goldstein will always be one of my favorite players along with Ben Cunnington and Jack Zabel as well um Hugh Greenwood's probably my favorite player that's you know not someone that you would typically roll off roll off the list but um Jasper Pittard will always be my number one. And I did really, really love Lindsay Thomas as well. So I'd say Jasper and Lindsay are probably my two all-time favorites um, for sure. It's like choosing your favorite child as a parent. You just don't want to because you 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 find you find you find a way to connect with all of these players. So I love that the question was interesting because you always get some interesting answers because the players of the past, especially some of the older some of the older clubs, there's a lot of people to, that people I've brought up. So it's it's a fascinating question, and I was kicking myself. I'm like, I forgot to ask that question. So thankfully, I was able to get that in. So we're we're gonna, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a little fun with you, Marty. We're gonna make you think a little bit. I'm gonna install you as the okay, list manager go. i'm going to install you as the list manager at north melbourne for the men, for the men's side all 17 of the other clubs in the competition will let you only take one player doesn't matter who one player who would you bring to north melbourne and why um buddy franklin is the greatest player of all time there's no other if buddy franklin's on a list somewhere and he's still fit to play he plays you have to take him. I don't think there's any. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. And I think the other reason why I'd say that is we need a second second key forward. Uh, while while Charlie Combins are still stuck on the sidelines, injured. So I would definitely take Buddy. I don't think you can take any other player while he's still running around. No, even as a Swans fan, I, I love that. I love that pick. So so you're going to spawn this question from me. I gotta I gotta ask. Thousand goals by Buddy Franklin. Where were you when that goal went through? I was at the kitchen table at my apart my old apartment in Perth, uh, watching watching very closely. It was it was a very special moment. I've got to say, I've, I've, I love Buddy. I've always been a big Buddy fan. So um, to see him achieve that was just amazing, and to actually just see any player achieve it, I've. Obviously, a few players hit that milestone in the 90s, and I'm an, I'm a big fan of the decade that delivered. For those who haven't seen that video, it's magical. I highly recommend adding that to your watch list. Um, and I've seen it, you know, I've seen it with Jason Dunstall. I've seen it with Tony Lockett, Gary Ablett. But you know, to actually watch it, you know, in real time is just phenomenal. I wish I was there. I think most of us do. Um, so yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell you that I'll tell you this. As a Swans fan, I I had to watch it, and the game started at I think it was four forty five a.m. my time, and I, I I always get up for the games. I, I'm crazy like that, and I work I work early in the morning, but I was working at home that week, so I had my iPad at my workstation, and when that goal went through. Because it's so early, I can't yell. I can't scream. I can't do anything crazy. So I'm just, I'm pumping my fists to the side, but I can't make 
any noise. I'm in a condo. I don't want to wake my partner up. I don't want to wake anybody else that's in the area. So it was the most surreal thing for me to celebrate, but to be completely silent. And I had, I had mates who were actually at the game. I got video, I got videos from my Facebook messenger. I got tweet, I got tweets at me. So I have, I have tons of videos from that. So it was an incredible moment. I still think personally, I don't think it's going to happen again. As much as I would love to see another person kick a thousand goals, the next person right now, I think is Rewool and he's at 700 and I just don't see him getting 300 before his, his career is over. So I, I worry that this thousand might be the last we ever see of it unless a rule change to man-to-man defense through the entire field happens. And I just don't see the league doing that. I mean, am I, am I too far off on that? No, I agree with you. I don't think the game has changed so much. I mean, you kind of, in, in the 90s were only, what, 20-something years ago now. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the way the game has changed, I mean, the the biggest thing is it's gone from being a part-time thing to a full-time professional competition. Um, and so we don't have those traditional key forwards anymore. The game demands so much more from you. You have to be so much more athletic. You know, it's not it's not as simple as the Ruckman tapping it down to a midfielder and then the midfielder kicking it into the forward 50 to their key forwards. And I think, you know, you look at a player like Scott Cummins, right, who was who played in the 90s. And, I mean, no one who is no one who has the physique of Scott Cummins would ever be recruited now. And I will happily go on record to say that because I really don't think that, you know, a slightly chunky key forward <laughs> is really going to be drafted ever again because the game's changed. You need to do so much more than just sit in, you know, sit in the in the forward pocket or, you know, sit sit in the forward line and just take marks and kick goals. The game demands so much more now because it is so much more athletic and it's so much more physically intense in a different way than what it was, you know, 20, 25 years ago. So I agree with you. I don't think we'll see another thousand goal hole player again. I also don't know if we'll ever see a 400 gamer again. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I'm happy def- to be proven wrong though. But you want, uh, you I want to be can't wrong. see it happening. You- you want to be wrong, but you just, the gut feeling, yeah. And it's also, I, I've seen highlights of Plugger Lockett, and I'm like, if you look at Plugger Lockett and you tried to put him in today's AFL, it just would not work, yeah, unfortunately. And Plugger was was a great player. I mean, but he was he was the goal square guy. He stood in the goal square. That's all he did. And then he let out, and he let out strong, and nobody could get by him. So I completely agree with you. Absolutely, completely agree with you on that one. So I, I gotta, I gotta ask this question because this sparked some debate among some. You're a, you're a Melbourne, you're a Melbourne girl. So we had two grand finals outside of Victoria in night in twenty and twenty twenty one, and I started hearing journalists start talking about should we look at potentially making the grand final a traveling grand final a little bit like the USA's Super Bowl I'm I'm one of those I'm interested in the debate because I know everybody's got a different opinion on it there's there's I know the MCC's got the massive contract so I'm not saying this is anytime soon but it's interesting to hear people's opinions thoughts on would you be okay with a traveling grand final or are you kind of, it must be at the MCG. We must at least hold on to some tradition in the game. Well, I was at the 2021 grand final in Perth because I was living there at the time. So I was there um, and it was absolutely outstanding. You know, Optus Stadium did an incredible job. Um, the having it there and having a twilight, it can't, it all just really worked. But that's the kind of stadium Optus is. Optus is one of the most incredible stadiums, I think, 
in the world. I mean, to be fair, I haven't been to too many sporting events outside of Australia, but Optus is a, is an incredible ground um, and it's incredible ground for watching football in particular at night. I've been to quite a few night games there and, um, and twilight games there and it just kind of, it's got a great atmosphere. Um, having said that, it just didn't feel like a, like, like a traditional grand final. And I think that, I think that as well, like, I don't know, it, it's maybe I'm, I'm reading it wrong because I'm, a Victorian and there's, there's the whole Vic bias. And obviously do I think that the AFL revolves around pleasing Victorian clubs? Yeah, probably do, to be honest. Um, but I've lived, I mean, I've lived in Perth and they are football mad there, but Perth on the other side of the country, I've lived in Sydney and no one cares about football really in Sydney that much to be perfectly honest. I think that, I think there's almost a romance about, your team, if you're not, if your team's not in Victoria, you're not a Victorian club. It's the romance of flying down for the grand final, and it's making the weekend of it, and it's the walk to the G, and it's kind of maybe that's not correct, and I and and it's not really something I've. Uh, it's 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 a fortunate position to be in, and I've never had to think about it because I am Victorian. I live in Victoria. And one of the two seasons where the grand final wasn't in Victoria, I was living in the state where it was played. So I went, um, <laughs> but I don't know. For me, it just seems like there's a romance attached to having to going to the MCG, to going to Melbourne for grand final week. I mean, the atmosphere in Melbourne on grand final week is incredible. And it wasn't, it, there was an element of it in Perth in 2021, but it wasn't quite the same as what it is in Melbourne. So I don't think we'll ever get a rotating grand final, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but again, if I'm correct, if I'm stood corrected, then that's, I'm also okay with that. If my club were to make a grand final and it was outside of Melbourne, I would be there. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think any, and so then I think, well, if someone who is a West Coast, I'm using West Coast as the example, because they've been kind of the most successful interstate club of recent times we think of sydney from this year or whatever if you're a diehard sydney fan you will go to you will make yourself available to be in melbourne for that grand final so that's like i would make myself available to go wherever north were if they made the grand final and it was not in victoria so that's for me that's how i see it um obviously there'd be people who wouldn't be as fortunate as me to be able to travel um but you know, you could be in Sydney and Brisbane could finish on top of you and then the Swans play Brisbane and Brisbane in the grand final. So, you know, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's an ever, ever evolving debate, I think. But that's, I, for mine, a straight answer is I can't see it being played outside of the MCG unless we had circumstances like we've had in 2020 and 2021. Mm -hmm. That's just my honest opinion though. No, you're, you're, there's, I, I've told a few people during that discussion. I don't think there's an honest, I don't think there's an honestly correct, perfect answer because it's one of those where, again, the 50 year contract, it kind of, it, it hand ties the entire thing. I don't think it's going to happen I, again, 50 years from now, who knows? I mean, we've got the Tassie, we got the Tassie license. So how, how is that going to go? Different things like that. But I mean, in Sydney is a very weird one too because of their connection at South Melbourne. So there's a lot of there's a lot of Victorian Swans fans that are still South Melbourne fans. So it's it's a very different dichotomy. Because I remember asking a friend of mine, I'm like, 
how excited are Melburnians going to be if it's a Gold Coast Suns GWS Giants grand final? I, I know it's a pie in the sky, but it's a but it's I asked that question. They kind of went, oh, because it, it's one of those. I think there's almost this assumption sometimes that a Victorian team is going to be there. And, and I, again, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, there's 10 teams there. So there's a higher, there's a high possibility it can happen, but what if that were to happen? How would the grand final look that particular year? So it'd be fascinating to see that, but it, it's just, it's a fun question to ask because everybody kind of has a different opinion on that. So we'll, we'll actually go to this year. They've just announced just recently the gather round, a lot like the NRL's magic round in, in, in SA this year. So uh, what are your thoughts on it? And do you plan on going to SA to see the North Melbourne play over in SA? I'm not going. It's a sham for North supporters. Uh, we, you know, you've got magic round where the purpose of it is to be able to go to three or four games on one day, but North's playing in like, barely something that's suitable to be a training facility an hour away from the rest of the action. Mm-hmm. So there's my opinion on gather round. Um, once again, it's the six little clubs who have been forgotten about. Fremantle's game starts, Fremantle play the Suns and their game starts, they're on a, they play on a Friday mm-hmm. and their game starts at like 3.30 p.m. Western time. Mm-hmm. Like it just you know it's it's again it's once again it's uh it's the the hand is you know feeding the uh the big clubs but uh yeah look I mean the concept's interesting but and, and I'm sure if I I'm sure if North got a better end of the deal I'd probably be more enthusiastic about it I'm mm-hmm. not gonna go um if I want to go and watch North play in Adelaide I'll go and be played Adelaide Oval I've got no interest in uh in watching us play at the at the ground that we're playing at. Mm-hmm. Yep. And again, every everybody's different. It'll be fascinating. It'll be fascinating <laughs> to see. And I agree that I, the, the 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 fixturing for that was very interesting. I'm I'm not sure they maximized what they could. And again, a lot of games on the Adelaide Oval, you don't want to tear it up. But I mean, you really intended. I mean, it the, to be... the SA the SANFL the SANFL is big enough, and there's enough grounds within Adelaide that are suitable to play games at. I've just come back. I was just in Adelaide last week and I've just come back. And to get from Norwood to the city to Glenelg, like these places are all pretty close together, you know, 20-minute drive or whatever. They're not they're not super far away from each other. And the SNAFL is one of two. I would argue that the SANFL and the Waffle are probably the only two really strong state leagues that we have left. Um, in the country. So the SNAFL should be able to provide enough, like there should be enough grounds that you could cater for all nine games to be played at Adelaide Oval, Norwood, Glenelg, and kind of, you know, wherever else inside mm-hmm. Adelaide and, and in the inner suburbs. So the fact that we've, you know, you've got typical North, have got the one game out in Mount Barker on a ground that I don't even think would pass as a training facility, facility, let alone to be playing a professional game of football on it. And they've just, you know, oh, sold out in an hour. Well, I wonder why it's 3,000 people that can fit there. Like, it's just, it's for me, for me, it's a sham. And for me, it's, I've, I've lost all respect for it. But I'm sure if you asked a Collingwood supporter or a Richmond supporter, they would think it was magical. Mm-hmm. 
I think was I think Sydney plays Richmond on the Adelaide Oval. So I, I can I can completely understand that. So all right, let's we'll, we'll get we'll get off that. And I, I completely understand your vitriol on that. And 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 I agree with it. I have absolutely no issue with that. So we'll we'll jump to one of my other favorite passions, and that's AFLW. I absolutely adore the AFL product. I do a weekly, I do a weekly review on here. Um, and I absolutely love the product. AFLW, I know you're an AFLW supporter. Thoughts on AFLW as a whole, and then thoughts on North Seasons, because the Roos had a pretty, I think, a really good season this year, um, can t- get, kind of going off of what they lost in expansion. No, I really, um, I really, I really enjoy the AFLW um, for what it is. I, I, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I love, go- I really like going to the games. Um, my dad and I went to the semifinal against Richmond. Um, and we had a we had a great time, and it's um, I think my passion for AFLW comes from North Melbourne. It doesn't come from being passionate about the league. It's not to say that I I don't enjoy it. It's not to say that I don't care about it. But I think I only really became genuinely interested in it when North entered the competition, and that's just being honest um, because. For AFL, the men's competition, while I will sit down and watch a game on a Friday night, my passion comes from being a North Melbourne supporter. Uh, it, you know, and, uh, and I think when I lived in Perth, that's probably why I became so invested in Fremantle because it gave me a purpose, another purpose for, for enjoying the sport, not just enjoying it for what it is. So uh, having said that, it, it a very big element of, of being a North Melbourne supporter for the AFLW is that we have a really good team. <laughs> We've got some really good players. Um, and I, I do really enjoy it. I think we had a great season. I think we've kind of found, I think we did take a bit of a hit in when, you know, when, when the expansion, that next round of expansion teams came through, we lost some, um, we lost some pretty key personnel, but I think we recovered really well from it because I think we've probably for the first, it's hard. I think for, you know, 20, for the last, for the two seasons that were in 2021, I think we found the best balance that the teams ever had. Um, but then on the flip side, we, and I think that's why we were able to recover from the losses in the second season in 2021. But then on the flip side, we also rely very heavily on Jasmine Garner. Um, she's a super talent. So it's, and, you know, you want to utilize her where you can. But it can't just be, it has, we have to, I think we did look a little, like we, we were able to kind of in that semifinal against Richmond, I'm just thinking about that game because I was there and I obviously watched it so closely. Um, we were kind of able to find other avenues out of trouble and out, and when, you know, players needed to step up, she wasn't the only player that stood up, but she was the one who led the charge. So I think we have a really good, I think we've got a good balance in our team, but at the same time, and that's why we're able to recover. But at the same time, we also definitely rely too heavily on her. And I think that's something we need to address before the next season starts. It'll be, it'll be very interesting. I'm fascinated to see how your the North Melbourne go, because again, when you have Jazzy Garner, you have Emma Carney, you have some absolute elite level superstars there. there there's, it's hard to find two that are as good as those two in the league. Um, I'm, I'm very interested really quickly. I, there was a ton of the drama about the, that game and you got to go. Um, what, do you think the atmosphere kind of 
dwindled a little bit because Richmond had to have it at punt road and there was only 2,800, I think, were, were there? Or do you think the game, it still had an atmosphere, though the crowd was a little bit uh, uh, smaller than I think some people wanted? No, it still had an atmosphere. Um, it was definitely, it could have been better if there were more people there, but there were, the North supporters were quite vocal, um, which was nice, especially because the game did go so heavily our way in the end. Um, they, they definitely should have been open to relocating the game though. Um, and ultimately it came back to bite them in the bum because not only were there not really many people there, but they ended up going down by six goals. Uh, so, you know, karma, the karma train got them in the end. In a very satisfying way, might I add, being a North supporter, was, yeah, pretty chatting. And after a few technical difficulties, we will hop back on to the interview. Marnie is back. Darn the phone overheating. Not a problem at all. So we, we jump back where we stopped at the last one. Do you have a favorite AFLW player currently on your list? Um, I love Talia Randall. I think she's amazing. Again, it's the same thing with like with the men's. I love Jazzy Garner. I love Emma Carney. They're like two of my favorite players, but I want to be give you a bit more of a creative answer. So I love Talia Randall. I love the way she's been able to develop um, and grow, especially since she's moved into the forward line. I love her energy as well. And she's just got so much spunk about her. And it's the, again, it's the excitement factor every time she kicks a goal. It's like the first goal she's ever kicked, like super excited, very much a pump up player. So yeah, I, I love Talia Randall aside from the obvious in Jazz Garner and Emma Carney. Definitely right. Talia would be my number one. Absolutely fantastic. So we'll get to some of my fun questions. I love the last three questions I always ask are a little bit fun for me because as I've told a lot of people on this podcast, I have never been to Australia. It is my bucket list thing. I'm going to get there. I want to get to Sydney. I want to get to Melbourne. I want to see games, the SCG and the MCG. So I'm doing some research. I'm writing down some of these answers because I want to know. Americans, we love our food. We love our food at sporting <laughs> events. So I asked this question, what is your go-to food at the footy? I don't eat at the football. <laughs> no problem. You aren't the first so person sorry. to say that. I'm too nervous to eat at the football, so I'll um I'll usually have a coffee or I'll have a diet coke, and then I won't I won't uh, I won't eat for the I won't eat for the game. I get too nervous. Not a problem. I think I was I think Blue Abroad when I talked to the Blue Abroad podcast host Terry Degani, he said the same thing. He's like he's like I can't. He's like I get a drink of water, I get something, so then I can keep my so I can keep it to where I can yell enough, but I can't eat. He says I'm too. I have to focus on the game. So. You are not the first person to say that at all. So not a problem. So when, when you go to the game, where is your ideal place? Like your perfect place to watch the footy at? My perfect place is our old seats when we were North. So we used to be North Melbourne club members. We're now AFL members. When we were North Melbourne club members, we'd sit aisle 34, like two or three rows from the front. This is at Marvel. I'm talking about as we play most of our games there. Um, so that's my ideal, um, but we are now um, we're now AFL members, so we sit on the other side. So it's between aisles seven and ten usually. And if I can be, I like to be up. I like to be up the front, bottom level, um, in the front row. That's my ideal, just to be right in the thick of the action. I need to be as close to the ground as possible. Every, every everybody's different. I've said some people have said second level. I've said some people they have to be in the in the um, 
in the supporter section. So everybody's different. I'm trying to get the, the best gauge of where the favorite one is. And this is my favorite because as a footy head, as a footy lover, I love finding out about um, all the different games. Everybody's got a favorite. Favorite game of footy you have ever seen. Live, television, doesn't matter. Favorite game of footy you have ever seen. Oh, I've, I have a few. I think, I think the 2014 elimination final is probably all in all my number one uh, football memory. But I, if I can add a few others in there, Boomer Harvey's record, record-breaking game was pretty spectacular. The first grand final I ever went to was the 2012 grand final Hawthorne versus Sydney. And it was definitely one of the best grand finals I've ever been to as well. Um, Donnie, I'm sure you know that one very well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so that was definitely one of my favorites. Um, they'd probably be in my top three. And then I guess the others are the, the four North Melbourne premierships. I've watched all of them, obviously um, just on DVD, but they're probably like my other my other four favorite games. I wasn't. I'm not old enough to remember any of them. I wasn't alive when two of them were played. Um, but yeah, I think for any supporter, their clubs' premierships will always be, you know, in that mix. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody's got a different one. I've even, I even had a local club one time as, as an answer by by somebody. So everybody has a different. So this is this is. I, I just love hearing the different answers. I, in fact, one time I had a talk. We were literally going over grand finals we had talked about. So I, I love this discussion question because anything is possible. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for my questions. Marnie, another fantastic uh, chat. It is great to actually get to get to talk with you. Um, this has been fantastic. Yes, we had our little hiccup, but you know what? <laughs> you have to be flexible when it comes to podcasting, so it is not a problem. So thank you very, very much for joining me. Please relay to the North Talk people. I love the podcast. I plan on staying subscribed to it. I think it's a great podcast. I would love to work with all of you guys maybe uh, to do maybe a North preview later on in the year if that if that would be up for it. And um, if you would ever like to hop back on for uh, a, a men's review or even a women's review, I'd love to have you. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a ball. Um, always love talking North. So anytime, I am your girl. Absolutely fantastic. I will keep that written down. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another off-season supporter series. Keep an eye out. I've got plenty of teams, and I've even got some local leagues. I've got a couple of guys lined up to talk about from the SANFL. I'm working on some of the Waffle and maybe even a VFL club here or there. Keep an eye out. We're going to try to get through this off-season and get to March when the men's season is back. That'll be it for the episode. We will be back again very soon.